You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you might be doing, you are doing very well. The guest on this show is Wanda Ortiz, and she is the bass player in the all-female, the Iron Maidens, that is, the all-female Iron Maiden tribute. They are touring Australia through the end of May and also June. I'll read out some dates. Wednesday the 30th of May, they are playing Brisbane at the Zoo. Thursday the 31st of May, they are playing Sydney at the Manning Bar. Friday the 1st of June, they are playing Melbourne at the Corner Hotel. Saturday the 2nd of June, they are playing Adelaide at Fowler's Live. And finally, Sunday the 3rd of June, they are playing Perth at Badlands. Let's hear what Wanda has to say. Here we go. Hey, Wanda, it's Andrew McKay-Smith calling. How are you going? Great, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm talking to you at a truck stop at the moment on the side of the road on the Bruce Highway, somewhere between Bundaberg and Gympie. Um, which is uh, close to the Sunshine oh, okay. Coast here in Australia. So I'm driving back from Mackay, actually. So uh, I had a chat to Robin McCauley, who's Michael Schenker's uh, singer, um, just before yourself. So it's been a good day for it, I can tell you. Oh, great. You know. So you're coming to Australia soon. Yes, in May. We can't wait. And... Um, I've got to, before we get into talking about the Australian shows, where did you get the inspiration from to play some of the most hard-to-play bass lines by any band in any genre? Now, I can say that with some authority because I, too, am a bass player. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, um, back when the band first formed, I think, uh, well, everybody was pretty serious about uh, their instruments. Uh, I, you know, I was a bass major in college. Um, I, pro- I got my performance major. In, um, I was a performance major. I got my bachelor of music in the double bass, uh, but I also played bass guitar. Um, as, a, as a bass player, of course, you're going to be drawn to music with uh, more challenging, interesting, fun bass lines. So, of course, I, I've always been a, an Iron Maiden fan. Um, you know, since I was very young. So when the band first formed. Um, yeah, everybody wanted to do something different, something more challenging. Uh, at, at the time, there were, I think there might have been like five all-female tributes to ACDC. So we're like, okay, we got to do something else. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, since we all wanted something more challenging, something different, something unique that nobody else was really doing, we thought Iron Maiden would, would be a good fit. Um, we are all, coincidentally, huge Iron Maiden fans, so um, that that made it better. So. <laughs> There you go. Usually helps, doesn't it? Look, I, I'm somebody who's played in cover bands, covers bands for a long time. Um, so I've, I've only ever had the opportunity to play one Iron Maiden song, which I think was Number of the Beast, um, which is not a bad bass line, but I, I've seen you play some far more technical bass lines than the one that's on Number of the Beast from Steve. Um, but having had to play some of Cliff Williams's bass lines, which, with all due respect to the great man and also the great band, they're fairly pedestrian, aren't they? So it's pretty exciting that you actually get to play the bass in a manner that's front and centre in a covers band. Oh, of course, yeah. Any bass player would enjoy that, you know, very much. So um, I'm having fun with it, that's for sure. Cool. What's What's the most challenging aspect of playing his songs? Is it actually learning them or have you actually got the I think it's is it I read somewhere now correct me if I'm wrong and you're the one to talk to about this actually does he use he's a right hand bass player I mean his picking hand is in the right hand does he use three fingers or two fingers and and how have you adopted his approach uh, he uses two fingers um, yes that's what I, I thought I use three fingers but I used three 
before I found out that he used only two. So, um, <laughs> it, I, I, for me, I think it's easier to, to use three. But, uh, you know, each to their, to their own. Uh, sometimes I'll just try it with two just to, you know, see if I could do it. Um, but, you know, once you get used to doing something a certain way for so long, it's hard to to switch it over unless you're thinking about it. But then, you know, you don't want to think about things too much during a show because then, you, you know, too much thought, you kind of screw yourself up a oh, little yeah, bit. Definitely. So definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, I think um, Alex Webster from uh-huh. Cannibal Corp said it best. He said you should be so well rehearsed and so into you should be you should already know what's going to happen well before the event that all you're thinking about when you're on stage is what pizza you're going to be ordering after the gig's finished. I totally agree with that statement. Yeah. Oh, I I agree with that too. Um, you, you know, that's the number one thing. If you're well rehearsed and you're prepared and you know the songs, you don't really have very much to worry about. Mm. You play G and L basses. So I think I read you play an SB2 and a JB2, so I'm not really familiar with GNL other than the, the company that Leo started after he left to Music Man. So was there an option for you to play the mirror pickguard B-Bass that Steve is famous for playing, or is GNL just suit your style more specifically? Well, um, actually, I had already been playing GNLs before. I, I was ever endorsed with them. Uh, I was looking... Oddly enough, uh, when I was going to school, uh, when I was a grad student, uh, that was when I heard of GNL. Their um, CFO was my accounting professor, and he, of course, told the class about his company. And um, coincidentally, at that time, I was looking for a new base. And uh, at first, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll just have Bender make me one. Because uh, I was thinking I might go with a shorter scale. But their uh, custom shop wait, I, you know, I got a two-year lead time quote from their custom shop. So that was a little bit discouraging. Um, GNL offered uh, only six weeks, and you can get a custom-made instrument here in the United States with a six-week lead time. And I thought their customer service was really great. Um, the instruments are really great. I mean, it's Leo Fender. Mm. Uh, and it's to improve upon his own design. So, of course, they're going to have some great instruments. Um, you know, the G stands for George Bulletin. Uh, I, I, the, the girls, when I, when I joined the, uh, tribute band, you know, of course, you know, there was some talk about like, well, you know, if you want to try a Fender, but, uh, you know, Fender wasn't really very, you know, interested at the time in, in doing, you know, tribute acts because it's, you know, it, it's just a tribute band. Like these big companies, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to do tribute bands because otherwise everybody would be calling them and, <laughs> But, you know, anyway, it was it was understandable, but I was okay with it because I really liked the GNL, and of course, you know, um, GNL didn't mind. They're more of a grassroots company. GNL is okay. Yep. And uh, you know, they're they're for the little guy. And um, anyway, it, it's a great instrument. Uh, have you ever tried one before? I did years ago, actually. Before I got into Music Man, I had a Warwick. Um, now, to be honest, I didn't like it. It was a Corvette FNA. It, it, the centre of gravity of it was not where it should have been for play, a bass player like me. I'm more of a disco and funk bass player. Um, and it kept on wanting to go at a 90-degree angle to my body, so I thought, bugger this, I'll sell it. And then I was sort of left with it. I loved the way it sounded, by the way. It just didn't sit right. So I thought, let's go on a bit of an excursion and, and play some different bass guitars in some of the shops that are around town. So I played a Sadowski. Uh, a Lackland, a GNL, and a Music Man. And after much the sort of internal 
uh, an, an internal narrative that said, do, do, I mean, I play slap bass effectively a lot, quite a bit. And I thought, do I really want to go down that flea pathway? Do I want to try something more? Uh, when I say original, you know, it's bloody hard to do that, but do I want to just pick up where you left off? Because I was literally playing Galleon Kruger amplification at the time. I still do. I've got his set up from 1994. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I played Flea's set up, not, not exactly, but the 1001 RB. Um, and I've got the cabs, the um, Neodymium cabs as well. Um, and I've got a Music Man bass. So I played Music Man uh, Stingray 4 and 5 and a Sterling 4 and 5. But I really liked the GNL. I really did. I just felt that I was more, um, is the word dexteritous? I felt that I could do more on the Music Man for my style of playing. But I think, to your point, um, about GNL, I had heard that they were a very easy company to do business with. I think Chris Yoanu, who was a silver chair in an Australian band called Silver Chair, sorry, the bass player in a uh, band called Silver Chair, you've probably heard of them before. Um, he played them, and I know the guys at the bass player on Parramatta Road there in Sydney. Um, that's no longer that shop is no longer, but they were big fans of GNL. So they've definitely got their fans, and I tend to find people who get into GNL really love the brand, kind of like expressing sentiments like you've just done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to have my GNL there. I mean, you're welcome to to try it out after the show, and you know, just just oh, wow. see. It's uh, I'm bringing yeah. a fan space. It's a uh, it's it's got a it's got a narrow neck. It, it it's like a sleeker version of um you know Leo Fender's earlier designs. Um, I don't know. I think you'll like it. Anyway, you're free to check it out. Oh, you're very, like. very kind, Wanda, for offering that. Yeah, gosh, I'll definitely be at the show. Gosh, you know, it's um, I, I've got to say, I love the concept behind the show. Now, with the greatest of respect to um, Iron Maiden themselves, it's so refreshing to see you guys doing it. And the reason I say that is because I grew up with Iron Maiden. I've watched the videos. I've still got – they're the only band's silk – flag that I've got hanging up in my house is an Iron Maiden one. It's actually the Fear of the Dark Live one with Steve as Eddie playing his P bass with his foot up on the monitor. So I've gotten so oh, right I've got so into Iron Maiden over the years that I hate to say it, I'm almost sick of it. But when I heard your wonderful interpretations and your your bass lines and when I heard the rest of the ladies in the band doing what they do, it kind of reinvigorated my interest again. So is that? Oh well, we hope so. We kind of look at ourselves. <laughs> we, um, we have fun with it. It's kind of like we're the cheerleaders, sort of. You know, like uh, we we did a tour of Europe before they did their tour of Europe, and you know, we kind of look at it like you know, warming up the crowd a little bit for them. We have fun. This is a loaded statement when I say this. Okay, there are some mid-period Iron Maiden songs from um, somewhere in time, in particular, that I actually think, and God help me for saying this, but please bear with me. I think you guys do a better job than the actual band themselves. So, I, oh boy, I, I, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I wouldn't say it if I didn't feel it was the case. You know that, I, and I'll say the song is "Wasted Years." I think the version that you guys do actually sounds closer to the recorded version than the version that the three guitar version of the band playing at the moment. I think that's part of the problem with Iron Maiden these days is that there's almost too many strings on stage. So it's a bit of an onslaught and it's a bit of a slower and lumbering beast, whereas the 80s material was quite nimble. You know, I love the, I love the Taurus bass pedals and the synths that were going on through that album. I'm, I'm, metal is only one of the genres that I listen to, so I've got very open-minded about things. And I know a lot of traditional Maiden fans consider Somewhere in Time one of the weaker albums, which is just weird as far as I'm concerned but I think the songs you're doing off that album and also Seventh Son are um, possibly well let me say this possibly better than the original band can do it in 2018 there you go oh well I don't, I don't know about that <laughs> uh, 
I, I haven't heard the original play those songs for uh, for quite some time. Um, but um, but thank you, thank you for the for the compliment. We we do our best um, to to put on the best show we can. Um, we don't want to disappoint people. That's for sure. And um, yeah, well, and no, we're, you, we're, again, like we're really looking naturally. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you had a lot of interest from us down here in to come down. No, <laughs> no, not that, not that we're aware. We've been wanting to go. Um, there's been a lot of interest on our end because you know we that when someone's asked, oh, what's your fantasy place where you'd like to go play?" You know, of course, you know we picked the most fantastical, faraway place we could think of. It's just we'd love to go to Australia, see the Great Barrier Reef. Um, we've always wanted to go there, but we've never been invited before. So this is our our first time. You know, it, it's happening, and we're we're thrilled. We we hope we get invited back. So, you know, we, we want to do the best shows. Well, we always want to do the best shows that we can. But you know, particularly in Australia and and New Zealand, we're looking forward to meeting all the people there. Um, mm. Just checking mm. out the country. We're hoping we we'd like to just we'd like to check out the country a little bit. Um, so maybe we we might stay later a couple of days. We don't know yet. We're Seeing how it goes, uh, the tour schedule looks a little bit busy, so I don't know how much time we're going to yeah. have for excursions. But yeah, I think I noticed <laughs> that it was it was, uh, it was a, a fairly when I say typical Australian tour, you were hitting all of the, the capitals. And and look, as an Australian, I can say who lives in regional Australia, the capitals aren't necessarily reflective of what Australia is all about. Um, look, I've just come from. You mentioned the Great Barrier Reef. I've just I'm I'm here now. I'm just about 100 kilometres south of it. I just had my toes in the water yesterday um, in the reef's waters. Um, if you can somehow wrangle oh, wow. the promoter to get you ladies up there, please do it. You know, it's um, it's it's a very unique part of the world. Um, it's got a very spiritual energy about it. Um, particularly as musicians, I find that we are sensitive souls, so we do pick up on these things. It's just a very peaceful environment, and I think you'd really adore it up there. Oh, we we know we would. We're so looking forward to it. We're we're hoping you get to do stuff, but I mean. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to ask the promoter, hey, can you take us some? Because, <laughs> you know, of course, you know, I mean, they're not there to entertain us. But, um, but a, a couple of us have a, a couple friends that live in, in Australia. So I'm already talking to one friend like, okay, how hard is it to rent a van there? <laughs> so we're, we're getting ideas. Oh, fantastic. All right. Okay. Well, your thinking's pretty far advanced then. Well, we'd love to have you here. You know, I mean, gosh, I'm sure you'd find a number of oh, people willing to sponsor know. you. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, we're we're just glad we got invited to play. Um, yeah, we, we, like I said, we have a we have a couple friends. Um, we hope we come back. So um, it's our first time we've been invi- invited. So I don't know. I mean, uh, we have a new booking agency, and before we got this booking agency, like as far as I knew, we never heard from anybody in Australia ever. Mm. So um, yeah, yeah, okay, we're, we're really thrilled. Yeah, who's the who's the booking agent that brought you guys down this time around? Uh, big time entertainment. Big time, yeah. There's a lot going. There's a oh, lot of agencies honor. around. Yeah, I've heard of them. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, okay. Yeah. No, those guys are really great. So. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they reached out to you to bring you down. That's for sure. I, I think the fans will be as well. I mean, we see Iron Maiden down here fairly regularly, uh, certainly in the last 10 or 15 years or so, we've seen them on just about every... I think we've seen them on every major tour or so, but um, I think, you know, it's a fairly daunting 
they're a fairly daunting band to uh, to approach covering the material. You've really got to know what you're doing. And, of course, you're a fantastic bass player, so you can. So, But I actually don't think we've got a domestic Iron Maiden cover band. I could be wrong about that one, but we certainly don't have one that's re- as active as what you guys are. So, yeah, come down and play as often as you want, as often as a promoter offers to uh, bring you... <laughs> Gives you guys the opportunity to come down. Yeah. You know. So do you get, just on that, you know, Iron Maiden being such an iconic band, do you get many, I call them punishes because I get them at my gigs okay occasionally. Um, with Not so much with me being the bass player. With all due respect, some people just sort of think the bass, is, bass player's up there just doing their thing and they're more focused on the guitarist or the singer's performance. But do you get many, I call them punishes, coming up to you and saying, oh, you didn't play that right, you should have played it like this? Um, no, not, not too much. Every once in a while, like there'll be a bass player in the audience. There's a couple songs, um, like, like I said, you know, that I've gotten used to playing it a certain way or maybe a different position with the same notes, but it's not the same position Steve plays it in. So okay, sometimes I'll, I'll get that or sometimes I'll get like, well, Steve uses two fingers. Well, Okay. Uh, oh, yes. you know, sometimes I'll hear that. Very rarely, though. Very rarely. Um, mm, that's good. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm glad that people have the good sense to yeah. just appreciate the wonderful talent you've got for playing the bass and interpreting Steve's material. I often say that. You know how I approach playing covers, and I know it's different for your good self. Um, but I approach it as if if I wrote the bass line, what it would have sounded like. Um, because it's my being a bass player and the sort of music that I play in covers bands. I look at it as my my responsibility, if you like, to keep people dancing, making sure that I'm linking with the bass drum okay and got that time in between the time and the bass drum. So I play a lot of octaves, a bit like Bernard Edwards in The Band Chic. Um, I do a lot of stuff a bit like that. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I, I do that. And um, also, too, the, the big one is just trying to make it interesting for yourself to get through a five-hour gig. Um, if you're playing a lot of the root notes like a lot of the oh, bass players yeah. do, dear God, it can make for a very, very boring night. I'm not a drinker either, so I've got nothing to fall back on to. <laughs> No, me neither. Like occasionally, maybe I might have a beer, but I I seldom drink anything. So yeah, if if you don't drink and uh, yeah, <laughs> it could be a long <laughs> evening for for sure. Yeah. Well, that um, but yeah, we'd like to see your band play too. So maybe we'll get a chance to to see you guys or you know. Oh yeah, I've just joined a new one. I should have stepped out of one and joined a new one. Um, just the drummer, to be honest with you, in the last one, lovely guy, but just wasn't quite there. Especially when you're playing a lot of slap bass and octaves, it wasn't. I found it too hard to do what I was doing and still sort of keep in with what he was doing. He's more of a rockabilly drummer, so very forward of the floor, straight ahead. Um, and if there's no salt and yeah. pepper in the drumming, it's very hard for me to do what it is that I do. So I just found myself actually getting a headache toward the end of each night trying to fit in with what he was playing because it's just too, too forward to the floor. Is it, we call it Oz Rock drumming here in Australia. There's a lot of bands through the 80s and 90s that played a certain type of... Have you heard of a band called The Divinals? The Divinals. Um, it sounds a little bit familiar. I'm, I'm not too, uh, too well-versed in what they do. I mean... I'm trying to think of a band that you might that plays Oz Rock that might have... Like Cold Chisel, heard of them? The band that plays the type of rock? Oh, it's called Oz Rock. Which it's a, it's it's rock and roll, but it's kind of like pub pub rock music, pub music. I'm trying to think of an American band that might be the equivalent Husker Do, something like that. Husker Do. It's, no, not, not too familiar. With it. Oh, it's it's fairly basic. Just imagine. But it's like. Uh... You're right. You go. 
Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were still going. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, I was trying um, to think of an American equivalent to it. Uh, a Goo Goo Dolls, something like that. Not that I've got anything against the bands, of course, but if you oh, okay. if you want to play bass lines like what you're capable of playing or or what I try to play myself and you're in a band like the Goo Goo Dolls, you're not going to have fun for very long. N- no, actually, I'm I'm pretty selective. Like, yeah, I, I get approached for like, oh, you want to do this side project or you want to do that or... And uh, now I'm kind of like, um, I'm, I'm pretty selective. It's just like, unless I think it's going to be fun, I'm not really all that interested. Um, I mean, if it's a paying gig and if it's a, a one-off or something, mm. then, then that's all right. But if it's uh, you know something that's going to be fairly regularly, I think it's important to have fun with it and important that you know it's something that you enjoy, for sure. So, I don't know, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, oh, your new band. Uh, Velvet Kiss is the name of the band, um, and uh, got our first gig I think on the tenth of February. I think that's the first time I'm going to be playing with them. So I've gone from a band called Vinyl Frenzy, notice the VF acronym, into Velvet Kiss or VF. It just I, I keep getting the two bands confused because I've gone from Velvet Vinyl Frenzy into Velvet Kiss. So I hope when I'm on stage, I don't refer to Velvet Kiss as Vinyl Frenzy. Because so, it's got the got the V there. The V well, congratulations there. Congratulations on that. In a good. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, look, I yeah, you know, I, I do, I try to do what it is that I do. Apart from doing some of this indie journalism and the rest of it, I, I stopped my career as a telecommunications account executive in June or July of last year, um, just to see if I could make a bit of a go at it, being a working musician. And look, so far so good with it. I mean, sure, I wish I had more work, but we're just not a big enough economy here in Australia either, to support playing every weekend unfortunately uh djs are a very big thing over here that's the other problem i've I've got a day job too you know um actually it's like three of us do so um i I have a second career in technology so and when i travel i take my laptop with me most of it's um you know most of the if you're in technology most of the time you can just do your work with a cell phone and um you know a computer and yeah, you're 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 going to be all right. So, so yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, no, I hear from one basis to it's another. A, yeah, it's a bit, it's a lot like that. But uh, yeah, look, I, I might be going over time here. Have you got somebody um, calling you after me, or am I the last one? No, oh, you're the last one. Okay, it's so, all good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, it's I, I've I've played a little bit of guitar myself, but I've never felt any other affinity with an instrument the way that I do with the bass guitar. Um, and it's and that's I wouldn't say that it's made it a harder road. It's just that I've tried working in duos as a guitarist and doing even some uh, solo work and on the guitar and the like, but I just simply don't enjoy it. So the bass guitar's for me. And uh, you've got to stand within your own truth on these things, haven't you? I I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also a bass player too. Just like well, I mean that's my main thing. I, I can't. I'm, diddled around on other instruments like the clarinet <laughs> likewise that's funny but, uh, you mentioned that that's what i did yeah. yeah as well yeah i did it as a kid and i can still play a little bit of it you yeah. play clarinet oh my gosh yeah, yeah. that's so funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was fun it was an interesting perspective but um well the bass you can play bass in in almost every style of music so it's such a versatile instrument and unfortunately it's not really the case with a you know you can't really have heavy heavy metal clarinet <laughs> but uh, you know, basses are in orchestras and uh, top forty bands and jazz bands and 
you know, like uh, almost everything has a base. So, so I, I think just being a bass player, I, I think that gives you a lot more options than, um, than others, you know, who play other instruments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've tried, I've tried even. A doing, good choice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that I tried not that long ago. I had a, a funk duo. So there was a singer who played the acoustic guitar and I also do a bit of singing and I was playing the bass, but we were playing, interpreting funk songs. Um, in a duo format and um, we went okay in some venues like I think we could play competently enough we went okay in some venues but in Australia uh, you know I've already referenced the rock and roll thing rock and roll so so prevalent here that as soon as you step outside of that and start playing funk jazz or disco to what we call a pub audience or you know um, what do they call um, public bars in the US they're just called pubs as well aren't they because I've been to the US a few times I should know Uh, oh public bars Bars, yeah. Well, we don't really call them pubs. Uh, I mean, sometimes just just bars, bar bands, top forty bands play there. Um, there's there's a lot of restaurants, like a lot of the jazz combos. Um, you know, usually the upscale restaurants, you'll have like a a jazz combo uh, in there. I, I, I see people who do jazz do pretty well, and um, you know, of course, if you're top forty. Well, I don't know. I think you could do well here in funk, too. I, I just went to the NAMM show, and uh, you've heard of Bootsy Collins, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. He had a... Yeah, there was this one booth I went to. He had a uh, funk-off where there was like 30 or 50 bass Anyway, it was a lot of bass players, and then everybody had to get up there on the same bass and get funky for 10 seconds, and then everybody would vote, <laughs> vote who, who they liked best. So, uh, Holy yeah, that, moly. that was that was a lot of fun watching that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I didn't see that. I wonder so, if that's on YouTube because I, I do follow what goes on at Nam actually on on the various pages that are on Facebook and YouTube. But I didn't see that one, so that's cool. Yeah, maybe do a search like Bootsy Collins Funk Off. It was at Nam. I forgot the name of the company hosting the event, but uh, it, it was really cute. Everybody go up there. He'd be like, "Okay, Funky Tears, Funky Tears," like the contestants were all funketeers <laughs> like his little play on basketeers it, it, it was really cool you would have liked it that's so, cool um, yeah no that's fantastic yeah I, I got a Bootsy Collins album when I was a kid um, it was always it was Chic Bernard Edwards and Chic and Larry Graham that really got me into playing bass in a big way um, early when I was a young fella it was actually Billy Gould from Faith No More that I recognised on the song Epic um, okay. that he was playing slap bass and I thought I don't know what happened. I started, I just picked up a bass guitar that was like, I went to a boarding school. I picked up a bass guitar that was in the boarding house and I could do it just instantly. It was like a talent that I had to just slap, play slap bass straight away. And I thought, wow, I'm going to keep going with this instrument. This sounds fantastic. And then I started listening to Steve Harris, obviously, and uh, John Deacon from Queen as well um, and really started focusing on what those guys were doing. You know, that, that was my journey. So, so who, who was the, the bass guitarist that inspired you early on? Uh, well, actually, I started on the upright bass. Um, I didn't get into bass guitar until I was like a, maybe 11 or 12 or so because the school needed to, <laughs> the school had a jazz band and they needed a bass player. But um, I used to get bummed out because other instruments would have the melody and the fun parts and I'd just have the bread and butter notes. Mm. But uh, one of my friends turned me on to Iron Maiden and Rush and they're like, well, listen to these bass players. So, of course, you know, that that was it for me i'm like oh i think i'm gonna keep playing this then um jog of the story is of course oh god yes um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy's 
amazing. I don't do much jazz anymore because um, well, I, I do orchestral stuff and between the girls and the orchestra, um, I, I, it's hard to find time to to do everything that you could do on bass. So I don't. I haven't played jazz really much since high school. Um, mm. Every once in a while, I'll double in the orchestra, and there'll be kind of a jazz part. So I get I get a little taste here and there. But nice. yeah. um, well, shoot, I've got round rounds on the, the blue bass right now. Maybe you, you could uh, you could play some funk on there. I, I can kind nice. of do that a little bit, but you know, uh, it's not really. Uh, I don't think I'm really super great at that. You know, just yeah. Well, we've that, got our own lane. Thing, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I like the expression. We've yeah. each got our own lane with these sort of things. I mean. But look, I've got to hand it to you. I mean, I've watched a few of your videos on YouTube. I mean, you're one of the best rock bass players I've ever seen. So you'd probably be, I Aww, mean, in terms you. of rock bass playing, I don't think you could get a better example. You know, if anybody, actually, I should mention this now, if that's okay, I'll let it this bit out. But I do host a podcast series. This is a wonderful discussion. Are you okay if I air this as part of my podcast series? I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you really oh. well there. Sorry about that. No, you're right. I host a podcast series. Are you okay if I air our discussion as part of the podcast series? I just think we're talking about a lot of really cool things that a lot of musicians in particular don't get an opportunity to hear some bass guitarists talking about stuff. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. We're kind of like, uh, you know, we're, usually bass players aren't as... Um, up front as you know other instrumentalists but you know of course you know if you're the type of person that likes and wants a lot of attention you're probably not going to be a bass player <laughs> anyway you know what i'm saying so yeah. um yeah I, i'm glad to see bass players and drummers um you know dr drummers as well uh good attention hmm. so yeah yeah drummers are drum uh, drummers can i think drummers because they're so bloody loud they often get their own piece regardless you know i think a lot of the average rock or the music fan could probably name you know the cozy powells the the um john bonhams of the world um but you ask them to, to to name a notable bass player there's only one that comes up consistently and with all due respect to the great man i don't think he was specifically a bass player and that's paul mccartney I like Paul McCartney. You know what? His stuff, his bass lines, they're perfect for those songs. You know, you don't really, um, well, he's Paul McCartney, so you think of him mostly like as a songwriter, you know, one of the songwriters in the Beatles. But yeah, his bass lines, uh, he's, he's got some great bass lines. You know, they just, they, they go in there perfectly. I, I think he's, well, obviously, his, he's a big part of the reason, you know, the Beatles became, you know, as big as they were. His bass playing um, definitely, you know, it, it was a big contribution to their music being successful. Mm. I think he's great. Yeah, look, I, I just... But he, yeah, you're right. People don't... Oh, I'm sorry. You know? Yeah, it's... I, more I, like, oh, Biddy Lee, Chris Squire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Squire, well, he's a bloody good bass player. Jetty Lee, you mentioned him before. I mean, his bass lines are almost... In, in, uh, the thing about him that I find impossible is that he sings the way he sings and he plays bass the way he plays bass. Now, they're totally... I mean, the rudiments of what he's singing and playing go against each other. He is such an intelligent guy. Oh, he, he's amazing, for sure. Yeah. I, I can't imagine just singing. And then sometimes he plays keyboards and bass pedals, and the guy just does it all. It, it's really amazing. Yeah. And look, just on the point about Paul McCartney, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. He played Brisbane. And, um, my God, does he have a lot of energy. I mean, I think he's 70-something. Um, 
I want. I just I, like a lot of people. I just wanted to say that I'd seen a beetle live and in the flesh, so I can say I've done that now. Um, and I can't say I'm a, a massive yeah. fan of his music, but my God, where does he get his energy from? The Fountain of Youth. I know, I know. I, I haven't seen him yet. I would like to. I would like to see him play one time in concert. Um, if I'm in town and he's in town at the same time, I'd totally buy a ticket. Just if he's, it's on, it's on my bucket list. He's a great bass player for sure. Yeah, yeah. I play a couple of his songs in the previous band, um, Vinyl Frenzy. I was playing. Um, saw her standing there. Have you heard a played that song there, the bass line on that one there. How'd it go with that? No, no, I haven't really played um, much bass lines for any of the Beatles songs, <laughs> quite honestly, but I, I've heard them a lot. I, I know they're good. Um, it's, um, I'll tell you something, it reminded me a lot. I actually, after the first time I performed it, I turned around to the drummer and I said, I feel like Steve Harris playing this one. It just keeps on going. It's just non-stop. And I ended up on part of it having to do a bit of improvisation because... I lost my wife. When, I wouldn't say it's repetitive, but, you know, he's playing the same thing over and over again, but it's a very busy bass line. And I tend to work better when I'm playing different notes in different sequences as opposed to the same thing over and over again. But the stamina that he has to play that bloody song, I didn't have it, to be frank. I had to start putting extra notes in there and going on little runs here and there just to sort of keep myself on top of it. So he's, a, he's, he's definitely a gifted bassist. There's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And yeah, just like anything, like kind of like running a marathon or whatever, or just getting used to like. Um, I, I think just playing bass, just having that type of stamina um, that he had to, to do that. Um, I think people, you, you know, you need to build up to it. it it's kind of like people run five miles a day or something. I, you know, there's some people that run a couple miles. And you're like, oh gosh, how do you do that? Well, you know, they just get used to doing it. Probably. What happened with uh with Paul McCartney? Just you know, just so used to doing it. Yeah. Just effortless. Guy's great. So. See, and and you mentioned earlier. Um, so we both play Galleon Kruger. Uh, how did you arrive at Galleon Kruger? Was that trial and error? A bit like a bit like myself. I used to play. Um, uh, oh God, I'll mention the brand because God, you know, you have got to do these things. Fender. I used to play Sun actually, which was made by Fender, and it was it blew up on me on stage. This bloody twelve hundred S that I had from them, and I thought I need something more reliable than that because I do a lot of gigging and I just can't have things blow up on stage because as a starters they cost too much and it takes too long to get them repaired and that's how I ended up with Galleon Kruger but how did you end up with the brand yourself? Um, I ended up with Galleon Kruger because I got called on to double in the orchestra sometimes on a bass guitar and I needed something versatile um, you know, versatile, versatile enough to do, um, in addition to rock, to do orchestral stuff or to do musicals. And, um, you know, Galleon Kruger, I, I would feel weird showing up to an orchestra gig with a big ampeg. <laughs> just mm. so out of, out of, uh, out of place. It, um, there's just so much respect for this. Like, you have a Galleon Kruger, you're like, ooh, you're really serious, <laughs> you know? Yes, um, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's, that's, that's the stuff and um uh, they have I, I saw them at nam they have this great new little gadget the plex preamp which um it doesn't matter what backline you have you can use this preamp and you can still get your sound so i'm looking at getting a, one of those you are listening to the scars and guitars podcast my name is andrew mckay smith and that was my conversation with wonder ortiz the bass player in the all-female the iron maidens that is the globe's premier iron maiden cover band Thank you so much for listening.